Hi. Hi. <laughs> I don't know how to start this one last thing because we're not on the phone. Yeah, we're in person. And our friendship is real. So let's talk about Pose. So last week, our recap of Pose was a lot more successful than we thought. I genuinely people... thought we were the only two people watching it. But basically, we talked about Pose last week extensively, and we were like, great, we'll never talk about it again. We just lost all our subscribers. But we got messages and tweets saying that we should keep talking about it. So here's our episode two recap, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, two historic things, things that neither of us have ever seen yes. on TV before that happened on this episode. So the first one is the talk about being a top or a bottom. It was just like the whole sex. Yeah. Like I had never seen a gay character of any gender go to another person and be like, I had the sex talk and like, I get it. But and it's not, I, I felt like it wasn't right. Right, and, and to then, acknowledge that it's different. Yeah, and then also then have the sex talk. Especially maybe, between a gay man and a trans woman. Yeah, like maybe I've seen that done before where someone was like, uh, but it didn't seem right, but then they never then got it. Right. For someone that has never experienced being in the voguing or ball community, it made me completely understand what a house is Yeah. beyond just like, being a team that, like, yeah. competes. And beyond them just having told us that a house is a family, it was the first time that it really felt like she is his mother. Yeah. I also, speaking of that, did write down in my notes, being in the ball scene seems exhausting. Because <laughs> she's like, can you imagine every week you have to, like, put on your going out clothes and compete and, like, be in a room with, like, a bunch of people <laughs> and loud music. Mm -hmm. It just seems completely exhausting. I wish that I had the stamina <laughs> yeah. to do that every week. I'd probably be, like, a once-a-monther. I would be Billy Porter. <laughs> just, like, commenting on it instead of doing it. So then the second thing that you thought was historic. It was the whole plot line with the MJ gay bar. trying to get into the bar. Yeah. 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 It's, like, an amazing example of Ryan Murphy hearing critique and growing mm -hmm. and like the fact that for so long people have been like he excludes queer and trans people of color from his gay narrative and then he's like you know what you're right i'm gonna show the other side of that mm -hmm. and help other people understand what i have learned which i think is really cool one of my favorite parts of it was i think the second time that they go in and it's just mj sitting at the bar and she turns to the uh, black guy that's there and is like yeah. they don't serve our kind here and the black guy's like no like yeah. you need to get out the janet mock stamp of approval was on this scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah this and you could good. tell that everyone involved who hadn't had that experience had like read a lot of books mm -hmm. you know now to also be skeptical because it is ryan murphy i'm very curious if this will keep going I because the other mother was mm -hmm. like i've been hearing what you've been doing and stuff right. like that and it made me think that like okay maybe mj is going to become some sort of activist character yeah I agree. and will continue doing this until she is allowed to drink at this bar or will this die off in this episode and it will just be what that episode was about first of all when the other mother called her a transvestite norma ray but also when the other mother did that monologue at MJ about there are two paths, I have mine and you're choosing yours and like yours is the wrong one. That felt like a very Ryan Murphy like here's the thesis statement of this argument moment mm -hmm. that indicated to me that it will like continue because that sort of like galvanized MJ to be like this is just another way for me to take things down. And I also was thinking about, this is like early 80s, so we're sort of on the cusp of the AIDS activism movement. Mm -hmm. And I doubt that they'll get into that in season one because that's like a lot of ground to cover. And it seems like season one is going to be more personal and then maybe season two they'll expand it out into like a more political national 
scale, but I definitely think laying the groundwork here of MJ being someone who has AIDS and also like doing this activism within the bars, I think is setting us up for some sort of AIDS activism plot line yeah. that will come. I think it'll definitely be a season two thing yeah. because while watching the show, even though there have only been two episodes at this point, I was definitely like, we talked about this after the first episode. I was like, oh my God, amazing. How are you going to do this for a whole season? Yeah. And then after episode two, I was like, oh, well now I see how you're going to do it for a whole season. But how is this going to be an entire series? Right. While still driving home the messages that it's driving home and also being character driven Yeah, and I think that that's how they'll swing into season 2 being like hey guess what everyone we're covering this huge topic yeah. and we'll show you it from like a perspective that you've maybe never seen yeah. portrayed before. The two plot lines I think we must discuss are first of all the main guy getting a boyfriend. Someone tweeted who's like a person and was like oh my god he gave up the ballet for that instead of that bussy <laughs> and then it blew up because people were like she knows what the word bussy is but I was like that was my favorite part of the episode to see a character that wasn't like I'm sad that I'm not going to get to hang out with them because that was never a thought in his mind he was never like yeah oh, damn Saturday I do have that thing well I guess I'm gonna have to go to the it was ballet Jack a. Harry yes <laughs> tweeted Damon shows ballet over bussy hashtag pose fx and then it's a gif of Taraji Pianz and clap <laughs> and people are like what <laughs> It's astonishing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the ballet, the last shot of the episode was one of my last favorite shots of a Ryan Murphy show. Yeah. Just because it musically went really well. <laughs> but I loved their scene in the warehouse where they went to go have sex. Yeah. And he said, like, no, I'm not ready. And the boy was like, okay. And he was like, no, actually, I'm not ready. Yeah. I also thought that it was really cool when classically he sees the guy at the pier and he's like with someone else, that it was a trans woman and yeah. not uh, just another gay guy. Well, here's my thing about that whole plot line. Mm -hmm. I tried so hard to figure out what that ballet was mm -hmm. because they used two different <laughs> songs from two. Mm -hmm. One of them is a standalone piece. One of them is a piece from like a larger piece. They're not connected in any way. They're not even by the same composer, but it was the same costumes and similar choreography. It was so also you, the same dancers. Right. So you know that it's supposed to be the same mm -hmm. ballet. And so my question was like, I guess they're like in Harlem. So maybe it's Dance Theater of Harlem and they're like doing a ballet that has composite pieces, but still like the story was unclear. I'm re I really would like to know if anyone listens to this who works on Pose, was there a discussion of what ballet it was? My thought process of it was since it was a teacher taking a group of people to go that it was some sort of showcase because mm. I noticed the same thing and the part that threw me off is we only got to see two dancers we never yeah. saw like a full group of people which also made me think that it wasn't an actual ballet that it was like segments and pieces of things to showcase the dancer right but there was a full house both on Saturday and on like Wednesday the second time they went yes and <laughs> of like people in black tie why would it just be a showcase if all these like old white are showing up. <laughs> Maybe that's the piece. Like, you know how sometimes smaller, like not ABT, people do like three or four different, uh, but they were wearing the same costumes. Right. And it was also the same set. <sighs> So this is where Janet Mock was like, Ryan, you got that? And he was like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I was like, I'll, I, I got this part. <laughs> I really like how upfront they set up the social class of these people yeah. because Ryan Murphy can very easily write 
to like upper middle class white yeah cis gays in the first scene when he's introduced he's like I stole this tank top yeah and then later when they're talking about the date he's like no we're just gonna go get pizza and or sorry a slice like take a walk because going to a restaurant means waitresses means tipping yeah well and also then later when they were on the pier Mm -hmm. and the main guy got nervous about holding his hand and he was like no here it's okay Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like we can be open because being gay is cool it was like no we are in a specific place where we will not get attacked for this you are right to be nervous in other locations we do still have to be careful they're also very cute together (laughs) and because there are no other clear romantic interests for him in the show i'm like is this the curtain blaine of pose (laughs) where it's like maybe they'll break up at some point but they're like end game okay enough the other thing i want to talk about is evan peters number one i really liked when angel was like there are two kinds of guys who want to sleep with trans women gay ones who just don't know they're gay yet and straight guys whose girlfriends won't put a finger in their ass and evan was like i'm not gay again it's a very cool for people who aren't super Mm -hmm. familiar or like entrenched with the community for them to just like have that conversation up front and him be like no i'm not gay i'm attracted to women and you are a woman I keep thinking about people watching this show and it's their first introduction to like queer and trans people who aren't like Neil Patrick Harris who Mm -hmm. they just keep finding ways to like educate people while keeping it true to the Mm storyline which I really like and the second thing I want to say about Evan Peters is when he like comes in to the strip club and he's like I'm looking for Angel and the guy's like oh yeah he's a popular one and Evan Peters goes she and then walks down the hallway (laughs) I laughed so hard you know Ryan Murphy was like, how do we show that this is a good guy? Got it. I really loved the peep show scenes because I've never seen a peep show. I've seen maybe like a porky situation where there's like a little hole in the wall and guys like look through it. But I didn't know that it was like interactive. <laughs> Very expensive for him to have a $10 minimum to get coins. Well, but also first, okay, I did take notes on this. So it's a $10 <laughs> minimum uh-huh. to get tokens. And then he only gets four tokens. But, well, because he, like, took a big handful of tokens, went down the hallway, put one in, there's Angel, then the, like, screen goes down, he puts three more in to get more time with her, the screen goes down again, and he's done. Like, he, like, sits back in his chair, and he's like, aw, man. And we didn't see him be like, Mm. thank God I have all these tokens left over, I only used four of them, so now I've got a pocket full for next time, because the next time he comes back, he buys more tokens. So, either he just didn't use all of his tokens and then, like, left them there or something, or he only got four tokens for $10, which is a total of, like, five minutes, which, to me, is an absurd exchange rate. I had thought that they were quarters, but you saying that, like, there's that montage where it's just him grabbing coins. Yes. So it must literally be, like, arcade tokens that mean nothing. Yeah, that give you, like, one minute or something. And then maybe it's a limit so that you're not, like, with one there person for, like, for, two hours. Yeah. I mean, to be there for two hours, you'd need to be a millionaire at this exchange rate. And because you'd he, also he, have to have a lot of stamina. <laughs> he gives $10, he gets four coins. That means a coin is two fifty. That's two fifty a minute, which I think is, frankly, that's gouging. I don't know. To look at a naked person? For one minute? There's not a lot you can see in one minute. True. <laughs> like, especially, so you, let's say you go in, you get your four tokens. Mm-hmm. Each token is one minute. (laughs) So that gives you four minutes of time. So if you put in all four at once, you get four uninterrupted minutes, right? Uh So in order to, like, masturbate and finish, you would have to, like... Go in half ready. Yeah, and you'd have to, like, get yourself out and hard 
put the tokens in and then be like, we got to move. And like, <laughs> or I mean, I don't know, maybe like straight men just finish really fast. But like in my experience, there's not a lot you can do in four minutes of just staring at a naked woman gyrating. I guess we just have to try it out. Yeah. So if anyone wants to fund our, our peep show experiment, to peep show. I just think it's ridiculous, especially in the 80s. Anyway. <laughs> also loved that it was in Times Square. Yeah, that was a good detail. Ryan Murphy definitely wrote that because he was like, ah, oh, it's the 80s. Times Square was like, yeah. a, like a grungy place. I want people to know that. That place that still exists on 8th. Oh, really? Yeah, between 42nd and 43rd, like oh, right next to Shake sense. Shack. I used to work around there and I would walk to work and it would just be like at 9 a.m. giant guys outside being like, hey, who wants to come in and like see a girl? And I was like, not me because your prices are absurd. <laughs> <laughs> not for those tokens. Also, my favorite part of that scene was... I would bring my own tokens. <laughs> you would have the tokens that have the string attached yeah. and you pull it back <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, loved the washing machine. Yeah. Loved the interaction that he had with his boss where his boss was like, no, there's a woman. Yeah. And the entire time I was like, leave him alone. Don't bully oh, him. Oh, well, there is. A couple things about the ball scenes this week. Mm-hmm. Number one, Angel in the weather girl outfit. I wrote, could murder me and I would thank her. Yep. Holy so good. Holy shit. Timely joke about IHOP. This is the International House of whatever, not the International House of pancakes yeah. and I was like not anymore logistically how and where do they get all the trophies because there are new trophies every I week I thought about that every time that they showed a trophy does and someone work in a trophy store specifically when the two guys first meet and, and the woman comes down trophy. the staircase yeah. with a trophy and I was like but I thought we literally just saw her win the trophy so this has either been going on for a couple of hours and there are different themes yeah there are definitely multiple trophies and then night. like there are say 10 first place winners every yeah. night that means that there are 10 giant trophies that need to be bought every week yeah. or do they turn it back in maybe when they, they turn come it back in. in to me that would make sense that it's like oh the reigning champion keeps the trophy well they repeat categories because there's the one part where Billy Porter's like the reigning champion of this category is right. the other mother so maybe when they repeat that category she brings her trophy maybe it like takes them a month to recycle back to that category oh interesting because we know? did see her like with the wagon right. wheeling her trophy trophies out. Correct. But we also have seen inside of that house and there and wasn't there just no like trophies. a wall of trophies. Right. Again, logistically And maybe they're also question. plastic. I'm sure they're plastic. Yeah. My favorite thing in the world plot wise in that episode was when she actively chose to not compete Me and too. then it worked and pissed the other mother off. Yeah. And then I loved the scene where she bailed her out and was like, I'm bailing you out so I can beat you at the ball. And then last thing, the category is Femme Queen and Pumps is my type. Okay, so a couple of news items this week. Cameron Esposito's new special, Rape Mm -hmm. Jokes, released through her website and on Vulture completely for free. But you can donate to RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. She completely self-produced it with no network, no label, and no one got paid for it. The director didn't get paid. The producers didn't get paid. She didn't get paid. And in one day of it being available with the, like, donations, they, A, recouped production costs, and B, made $10,000 for RAIN. You know, being someone who is doing the same thing to like completely self-produce something and put it out and then make that much money towards a charity is insane it's mind-blowing so everyone and it's really really good it's really good and she also posted like if you want it on your website dm me and i'll send you the embed code to embed it 
completely for free. Oh my god. Yeah. So she's changing the world. Next. The new pride flag. Yes, I have strong feelings about it. Okay. I love it. Me too. And I love it more than the one, it was last year or something? Yeah, and this was created in response to the one from last year. Yeah, because the one from last year, I was like, it looks ugly. The brown and the black stripe at the bottom, just like, I think we did talk about it because we had the conversation of like why those two stripes are needed, Mm -hmm. but how they also aesthetically look bad. Yeah. And I think that this was a smart and great way to include them. Keep it looking like a flag and include everybody. Yeah, so it was created by an artist named Daniel Quasar, and the idea was the six-stripe LGBTQ flag is separated from the newer stripes because of their difference in meaning, as well as to shift focus and emphasis to what is important in our current community climate. The trans flag and marginalized community stripes were shifted to the hoist of the flag and given a new arrow shape. The arrow points to the right to show forward movement, while being along the left edge shows that progress still needs to be made, which I love. Mm -hmm. And so there's a Kickstarter for this flag, where the goal was $14,000. Currently, it's at $21,000. And what's the Kickstarter for? It's to, like, make the flags. Yeah, so that people can, like, hang them up. The Kickstarter says, one of the main concerns I have is the production timeline, because it is currently Pride season, and people will want to have the flags to have out there with them at the festivals. I want to make that happen as quickly as I possibly can, but can only work within the constraints of production, which, with the, like, extra $7,000, and there's still a full week left I think means these flags are like going to be seen a lot which I think is a limited thing probably for pride but I think next year they'll be like all over the place yeah for sure which is awesome and clearly the children think so too because they're fucking screaming (laughs) also this week Assassin's Creed dropped their trailer for their new Assassin's Creed which do you know anything about Assassin's Creed nothing gotcha basically it's an assassin and each game takes place during a different time period okay that's all I know I've never played it but the one that they just revealed will be like the first mass marketed video game that gives you options to play characters with different sexualities which is awesome because I'm currently playing a video game and I think that they're setting me up with this love interest and I will be very upset if I end up with this girl at the end of it but at the beginning of the game when you're creating your avatar okay so you choose do you want to be Alexios which is the man or Cassandra which is the woman but like literally all that changes is the appearance of your character and the voice of your character and everything else is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. All the dialogue is the same. All the choices are the same. That means that, like, whether you're playing as a man or a woman, your, like, ability to have a romantic plot line you can have with men or with women. Mm-hmm. There are, like, love interests of two genders that you can end up with regardless of which character you are. Oh, it says you can even make your character asexual. Oh. Look, here's a picture of a man and a woman. The woman can either say, I want you to, or I don't feel the same. is me. I love this line of this article. You know, we're making a game that offers choice, and this is something that matters to a lot of people, she said, as I took note of her rainbow-colored hair. (laughs) Clocked. (laughs) Clocked! Uh, But I love that someone was like, okay, what are we going to do for the next Assassin's Creed? Because there are a lot of them. And Uh then someone on the table, this is also my favorite thing to do, is imagine an imaginary writer's table. The meeting. There's like one person that's like, I have an idea. Let's include maybe everyone. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they were like, oh, wow, that's that's a good idea. It's called Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and it's set in Greece. Looks like I have to get a PS4 to play this. So that's all we have for this week. Yeah. On Monday, we're going to be doing a very special episode on the Me Too movement and sexual harassment and assault. So that's just something to keep in mind for the context in which you listen. Oh, and also remember to watch Pose this Sunday, third episode. Yeah. And if you like our Pose recaps, let us know because we'll keep doing them. So we'll see you on Monday. Bye. Bye. We just finished recording one last thing, but I've just gotten some news from friend of the podcast, James Werwich, that I need to share with Robert live on air. What? (laughs) Ryan Murphy tweets, the Coven Murder House AHS crossover season won't be happening next year. Because it's happening this year. AHS number eight, witches rule this September. What are your reactions? Of course, because I think it was like three days ago, he said the newest season of AHS will be something that you've never seen before. And I went, oh, so it's the crossover <laughs> season, right? Uh, he's so stupid. I bet that he couldn't come up with another idea or that it didn't work. And he was like, well, I guess we're just going to have to do that. Is anybody still watching American Horror Story? Like religiously? No, this you and me. This will bump it. Perhaps this will confirm. No, not. <laughs> the long-held belief by member prominent members of the LGBTQ plus community that Misty Day and Cordelia Fox are and always have been fucking. Okay, bye. Oh!